Welcome back to How They Train. Today's uh, an interesting one for me because it's the first time I've got two guests on on a single episode. Uh, today I'm joined by AFL royalty, <laughs> Adam Trelaw and, and Josh Dunkley, also known as the, the biggest bromance in, in the AFL at the moment. Boys, uh, how's it going? Good, mate. Thanks for having us on. Who's the, who's the royalty in this one? Because it's definitely not me. It's not me either, mate. <laughs> I think it's probably both of us put together. Yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. Heard, uh, I've heard you say, Adam, that Dunks is uh, royalty in the uh, networking world. Yes, he sure is, mate. He, um, I've never met anyone who networks better than this guy. He, uh, we could go wherever it is. Uh, let's just say we go to a, well, a basketball game. We went to an NBL game last year, and every Tom, Dick, and Harry that walks past, he just knows him and speaks to him. And I'm just like, how does this bloke know this person? Oh, he, he's the owner of Rolls Royce. Oh, he's the owner of uh, Recovery Boots. He's the owner of Nike. Like, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. They all just start sliding into your DMs to want to sponsor you, Dunks. Is that how you know that? Nah, not really. I actually probably learnt my uh, networking skills off Will Minson, to be honest. Big Will. Yeah. Right. I only know Will from uh, getting sprayed by Rodney Ead in that sort of viral video. Yeah. Well, everyone knows him for that, which is pretty sad, to be honest. He had a great career. He was a gun. You're a ruckman, aren't you? Oh, I am. You're yeah, fellow ruckman. So that's why we probably get along. <laughs> for Obviously, Josh has, uh, has pinched hit in the ruck quite a bit. So I would have thought that maybe that's another few tips you w- you've learned from Will Minton. Yeah, probably. You're part of the uh, undersized ruck squad. Who would win? Uh, you know, you know how Richmond for a little bit in their premierships were going through the undersized ruck phase. Do you think you would uh, would have you know handled their guys who were sort of that 185, 190 centimetre? Yeah, Grigger. I'd be able to handle Grigger. It was it was mainly Sean Grigg, wasn't it? Yeah. He'd come up as the third man. It wouldn't be. The thing with you, he wasn't – so Grigg would come up mainly as a third man. He'd sometimes – That was 2016 when the rule was still yeah, there. He'd occasionally ruck one-on-one where you've predominantly just literally been the one-on-one ruck man. Yeah. <laughs> what was it last year or the year before where you um, – I was literally the number was one. It, was it Reece Stanley? Uh, yeah, he it was, was against Geelong. It was no, someone you legit- Prucy, mate. Prucy That's right. yeah, against Melbourne. Was and that last year or the year before? That was the worst one. And Braden Pruce is a He's a monster. monster. Absolute monster. And he was the the starting ruckman from start to finish against Braden. It was actually pretty funny because that day he wanted to play well. And he said to me pre-game, he's like, just let me get a few hit outs <laughs> and I'll let you get the footy. So, <laughs> How does that start? How does, it, how does it go from like, you're a midfielder or like a small forward? How do you uh, how do you then all of a sudden go against you know how does it even come up that you're rucking against a 200 centimeter beast? Um, probably just from a competitive advantage. Like we wanted, obviously our midfield's really good, and um, to have more mids around the ball helps us. And the stats showed that year when I did do it that it worked. Uh, so they just kept rolling with it. Yeah. But yeah, it is a bit daunting when you come up against the big fellas. I remember uh, Rory Lobb against GWS probably back in 2019 or 18. He gave me a nice knee, centre bounce. I was going like, no joke, running at each other. And when I first started doing it, I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, run. I'll try and actually beat him. <laughs> and he's got 30 centimetres on me and I'm just running up, chest open and just goes whack oh, straight I th- away. I think the biggest challenge for you would be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've never experienced being a ruckman, surprisingly. I'm only 182 centimetres. But um, it'd be the around the ground stuff where, not, not like the stoppages, it'd be fast play or slow play, kicking it long to the Ruckman in, a, in an aerial contest where yeah. you've got to be there and compete against a guy that is, you know, a foot bigger than you. Know, that would be the biggest challenge. Yeah, that's that's probably the hardest part. And how much like little dirty things do you have to do to make it work? Are you a naturally sort of aggressive guy who, you know, might get in a fight at a pub type of thing? So you suit that role? Or? Pretty much are you a grub? Nah, nah, nah. I'm not that type of person. But I do, when I'm on the footy field, I 
tend to get a bit angry. Yeah. I try and be a bit more physical than what I would be in general society. Yeah, right. How, how like, have you always been like that? Is white line fever something that you, you know, actually experience? Yeah. I mean, I probably learnt it better across the years that I've been in the system. And I reckon my best year of footy, 2019, um, I brought that into my game a lot more. And I'd spoken to a few people about it, just being able to switch into a phase where you're, where you're angry and, or not angry, but you're concentrated and you, you just switch on the whole time because it's hard when you're out there, especially with the crowd and yeah, everything. I think for you, I'm thinking more so for you, your your defensive side of the game mm. is kind of where that starts really as well because, mate, the amount of tackles that you get inside, the chase down tackles that you do, like that requires to have that in you, if you know mm. what I mean. We see a lot of players that don't really have that grunt. They'll kind of – sometimes that's me, but <laughs> we don't really have that grunt. You, you more – more so getting the footy and using the ball. You're, you you start and your game is made up of that kind of stuff. I do love the I've physical seen, side of the game. Which is yeah. which is the best thing for him. And that's where the white line fever comes for him, easy. Yeah. And what about yourself, Adam? Like, ha, has that been something that you've worked on throughout your career? Yeah. Well, no, I, I do have white line fever. I, um, well and truly, it is it is a thing. It's well and truly a thing. I my, Mine kind of comes out in different ways. I get I, I just get extremely competitive. Um with anything that is, but on the field, yeah, it'd, it'd more so be, um, I don't know, my the way I would, like I try to try to have a focus on something that I want to do is more so my white line fever. So whether that be getting out there and, I don't know, let's just use use being physical around the ball as an example. I would just try and be physical around the ball. Ne- necessarily the next week might be when I get the footy to – to use my legs and take the game on and use my strengths. That's kind of what mine kind of is. Um, I know it probably doesn't sound like it's the aggressive try and fight someone in their face, but that's what it is for me. And it could be the following week if I'm playing forward to have an impact as a forward, purely as a forward and not have that midfielder's mentality where it's about, you know, being inside, having that forward uh, mentality and and showing that as well. Um, But yeah, I I think as of, as Josh just said, as you get older and, and you mature and, um, more experienced, you start to be able to, I, I guess, focus that into different areas where you, when you're younger, um, a lot of the times it's shown all over your face, shown all over your body language that you may be a little bit frustrated, you may be whatever it is, but as you get older, it's definitely something that you can definitely mature in. Yeah. So it's it's really like a whole mindset and, and intent thing. So oh, yeah. you're, you well, know, truly. you've got something that that week you're going out and focusing on and, and you're going to fucking do that. For me, it is yes. I, I think people are different because I just said about Josh. He's watching Josh from afar. His build up of his game is his defensive physical side of it, which is something that he's always going to have in him. For me, it's something where I try and focus in on something that I want to improve on. So, like I've just told you, I want to be able to improve my ability to take the game on a lot more than settling for I don't know, like quick kicking out of a stoppage or whatever it is, because I have the ability to take the game on and use my legs and use my strength through my lower body when I do that I like I'm more switched on I'm I have a bigger impact on the game my teammates can come into it versus getting the footy and and kind of just not using it the way I should be using it that's something that I'm in detail talking to you about which is what I'm trying to focus on going into the season yeah and on that so focuses for for this year you boys are obviously um coming up to like sort of the end of your pre-season now can you take us inside Maybe some details that we don't actually really hear from the outside looking in about preseason. I think like from the, the general public, you hear these things about preseason and it's just like really broad statements about someone's doing well or, you know, someone's lost this amount of weight or whatever it is. But can you sort of 
just talk to us um, about what actually happens inside a footy club during preseason. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a tough probably period of time where you you're struggling for sleep and recovery and things like that. So it's not easy. I mean, everyone sees the the rosy parts of it and the pictures and and the talk like you just mentioned. But for us, it's backing up every day. Your body's taught, like sore. You're tired. Everything's just really um really draining i guess and like as you mentioned i think off air but you go through ro- like roller coaster of emotions where you're up and down and sometimes you're not feeling great you're not not really ready to train and the treatment side of things are just everything goes into one where you you struggle but then you feel good like i think this period right now everyone's starting to feel good because we're coming into games and you, the the preseason load sort of decreases and you get more into the game running and things like that so it does change but early days and early parts of it are very tough and physically um, demanding. Yeah, I think I think it's one of those things, again, as I just said, as you mature and get older, and I'm speaking off experience here, you you enjoy it a lot more. You don't mm. – like I, I remember when I was – my early years at the Giants, when I was young, and then my first couple of years at Collingwood, I was 22 and 23. Like I actually dreaded because it's just hard. Like the training's hard. And when I say hard, a lot of the stuff you do isn't really – this is my opinion, isn't really like replicating a game. Like you're not going to do three sets of different handball uh, repeat effort contests for 90 seconds over three times. So what's that? That's three minutes. That's a four and a half minute effort of just handball games. You're going to do that in a game. You might have one stoppage where you're wrestling and you get a handball and you go, and then you've got an opportunity to run. But it's because they want us to train that fast track, our, our, our match fitness and whatever it is. That's, what I used to dread and that's where it was just so like daunting and you get to a Monday morning knowing full well that Mondays and Fridays, this would be for most clubs, are the the bookends. So Monday and the Fridays are the really solid sessions where, you know, at the peak you're doing what? Anywhere between 12 and 15 Ks of repeat running. This isn't, you know, people listening, it's not just 15, 12, 15 Ks of going for a run. It's like repeat effort, running, tackling. It's like what he was just talking about, handball games and then you might – all do a 300 stuff. and then you come back into so another handball yeah. game. Just so you don't necessarily non-stop. do that in a game. Like how often do you, would you would you be involved in a stoppage for four and a half minutes yeah. to then run? You don't do that in a game, but the fact that we're, like I said, they want to fast track our, our, um, our match fitness, you understand why they do it. So I would start off early days dreading it to now, like I love it. I love preseason. I enjoy preseason a lot more than I do in season is – mainly because of the mental side of things where it's a challenge, you know, you're, you're under a lot of scrutiny and there's expectation on performance and whatnot um, mentally. But in the preseason, you're fit. The thing is you fit. Yeah, you feel good. You fit, you feel good, you tan, you're, you know, you're... <laughs> He's you, happy with his tan at the moment. Just, That's why he's saying there's, that. <laughs> there's no worries in terms of your footy. And what what better job to live and, and work when you're fit and healthy. healthy. And then you get to a game and then it just completely changes. The training completely changes and... And you got to get up for the games, but yeah, I think as you get older, you definitely mature. Like I've my last two years of preseason, um, albeit it's been at a different footy club, but I've enjoyed it a lot more than what I have prior to that because of just enjoying those those times in my life. Because once I'm retired, I'm not going to be, you know, training for four months of a preseason and get ready for a <laughs> Division Three AFL <laughs> footy league season. Yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Yeah, and, and do you think that that shift in like um, like enjoying the preseason more has led to you playing better footy? Well and truly, yeah. Well and truly, I think like it becomes clearer. Like this is another thing. 
Again, I'm speaking of experiences. I don't know if you're the same, Josh, but I I uh, would dread it. So there was no clear focus for the session and what I wanted to get out of it, how I could improve. It was just getting through the drills. This is early days. And I know a lot of young draftees go through this. To now, like every session is a clear session for me in what I want to improve in, no matter what it is. And now we're obviously coming in the game, so those big sessions are gone. But, for instance, let's say, I don't know, we had a match sim um, specific base session on a Friday, knowing that what I've just spoken about, I want to be able to use my legs a lot more and, um, you know, not necessarily quick kick from stoppage. This is technically talking. Um, there's an opportunity to do that. I can do that. And it's against – it's in a game-like situation. It's against um, – an opposition kind of in a way because we're playing against each other, quality midfielders that I'm playing against in Bont and Dunks and these guys that we train with. Um, and it becomes more specific based where early days it's just, yeah, like it's just you're just threading the session. You're just mm. getting through it. Um, and, and then, yeah, that puts you really, to me, it puts you in good stead going into the game. So we had an intra-club last Wednesday and as we speak, two days' time we got a game, our first opposition against Essendon in a practice game. It's another opportunity to practice that. And I was, you know, we I practiced it last Wednesday against an inch club against ourselves internally and I felt great. And it's off the back of, you know, what I'd been doing prior to that. Yeah, and, and these pre-seasons, how competitive are they? So, like, you two are obviously really good mates. Um, you know, like I said at the start of the show, like, um, the the bromance you two have is, is, is talked about in the football media a lot. And then when you guys train together at the club – are you just purely friends or is there a huge element of competition once you're actually out there on the track? Like, is it, is that something the boys are always talking about? Like, oh, I beat you at this and oh no, I beat you at this or your shit at this and your shit at this. And is that a part of a footy club or is it more just like everyone together, everyone's supportive? Yeah. I think between us, it's a competition. Always. Everything, everything, mate. But um, yeah, there is a competitive side to it because you want to be training and playing well when we do play games and I think each year it sort of resets, like the team resets. We've finished the season. There's spots up for grabs. We've lost guys through the trade period, um, delistings and things like that. So there's guys that come in, um, whether it's trade or draftee, um, they come in and they want to prove themselves. So there's a competitive nature to it, definitely. And I think um, we don't walk around saying like, oh, we beat you at this or I beat you at that or whatever. We might, us too, but <laughs> um, not not from a group perspective. So it is really good to enjoy because like Adzi mentioned, it's – you know, not the time where you're scrutinised and you're looking under, you're under a microscope, a microscope, I guess, um, from the from the general public and the coaches. Where it's in season, it's a bit different. But I think in the preseason, we can really enjoy it a lot more and and yeah, help each other grow as players. They're definitely yeah, I totally agree with what Josh is saying. But there's definitely like when it comes to when it's team um, like drill whether it's a handball game for instance or a a match sim there is a competitive edge there like it's quite often you you would see and i reckon most main sessions you'd see a little scrap here or there between a player i know i know nader and um nader's jackson mccray and uh and jado our property guy they've had a couple of scraps <laughs> jado jado's fit so jado He's, he's my age, so he's 28. He's, like, reasonably fit. So he can join in and do some of the drills. Drills when we're low on numbers. When we're low on numbers. And, yeah, I've seen him, you know, there'd be a handball game and he'd hold on to the tackle a little bit longer. And I've seen him had a go with Nader. Or I've seen him and, uh, I don't know who, it might have been Diesel, um, Shacky, seen those two have a go at each other. Like, it's common. Like, it's we're competitive animals. We're, we're competing. We want to, we wanna like, you know, 
be the best versions of ourselves, but we want to absolutely get an edge as well. So yeah. I like that. I love that. And I, I think love, we are we are training against the best, like you mentioned before. So it's actually really good to yeah. like some guys will take it, really take it up to you. They're 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 not there to you know stuff around. They no, want to get absolutely. better and they want to be in the team. So it's it is competitive. Yeah, and I guess is that um, even more so because of the team you're in? Like you guys, you know, totally. played in a premiership or like in a, in a grand final team last year. Mm. Um, you, you've both played in a – well, you haven't, but Adam, you've played in a few different teams. Is, it, is that just the same always or, or because you are in this really competitive team that's that's pushing to, to, to win a grand final, um, is that competitive element there even more? Yeah, I would say so, yes. I, I'm – like, and that's not taking anything away from the teams that I've been a part of and the years that I've played – there's always competitive competition for spots, but I think it's magnified a lot more because one, everyone wants to play in a winning team. Everyone wants to play in a team that's going to be vying for hopefully a flag, which is what we want to vie for. Um, and again, speaking of even last year's training in that final series, we we had some epic training sessions where where it was the main one day where it'd be a bit of match him more more so coming up against the opposition, say, for instance, we're playing Port Adelaide in the prelim last week, we would um, would have, a, I guess, the the VFL side replicating how they would play, but it'd be super competitive. It'd be, you know, these guys want to make us better. They want to, just in case something happens, get a spot. You know, say someone goes down, hopefully no one does, but they're there to put themselves up mm. and come into the team. I think, you know, great examples are, I think Cody Waitman injured his, he got injured in one of the games and, and Jason Johansson came on. He was a sub and... Stayed in the whole time. This was, I think, in the Brisbane semi-final. Yep. Cody went down with a concussion, and, and JJ came on and played, played the whole game, that game, the following game, and in the grand final, we had competition for um, defensive spots. I think Ryan Gardner missed out unfortunately, and he had a great year. And you know, he it was just unlucky, but that's just an example. Being like, he was training really well. We had guys training really well. So yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's a lot. A lot of the time, it's depending on. I guess the environment that you're in without taking away uh, the years that I've spent at footy clubs and there's always a competitive edge, but in particular when you're vying for what we're hopefully vying for and we're in a really good window to win, it's yeah, it's through the roof. Yeah. Through the roof. Training is elite. Like these days, training is very good. And I think like you can talk about different clubs, but even across the years that I've been involved, like 16 was elite and then 17, 18, 19, when you're not going so well, it sort of comes down a little bit, the training standards, but you're always trying to push them back up. And I think now we're in a really good spot where it's the ball zings around, barely touches the ground, and, yeah, everyone's just on yeah. fire. So Flo- it's good. It flows into everything we do as well, like off-field with, with in the gym and um, our attention to detail with everything. Like, it just flows. And like you said, when, when the team's not going overly well and mm. I've been a part of teams where we've finished bottom, you know, it's kind of just – yeah, it just doesn't flow – on field, off field, where when it's going well, it's, yeah, everything's just, everyone just has the same mindset. Everything's the same. We've got the same goal in mind. This is what we want to achieve. And you, you sort of talked about how you two specifically are really competitive against each other. So who wins what? Who's better at what? <laughs> where are you the most even? You know, is there any sort of sore spots where someone got the better of the other person this preseason and, and the other person didn't like it? Well, it's funny because in the new podcast that we've got, the on and off uh, with uh, Ads and Josh, um, we speak about this quite a bit, but... Uh, anything we competed, anything. So more often than not, Adam, what Adam wants to say is he beats me at everything. I was about to say more <laughs> often than not. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that. I would He's say I would bush. say ninety percent of things I would win in. Yeah, like a lot in the gym. Or oh, everything in the gym he beats me at. Not a lot. Everything in the gym. Like everything, I can't beat him at anything. 
which um, disappoints me. But but in the only thing that I did have over him was running. And then this preseason, as I would say, career best Nick, this bloke at the moment, uh, he came back and beat me in the running. So yeah, In our one endurance test that I've never historically been good at, I'm horrendous at endurance running, testing that is. So 2Ks, 3Ks, beep tests, anything. I've always been bad, but my in-game running's always been good. And I know, especially early days, it used to baffle the sports science, um, I guess, people because they would compare my in-game running versus my pre-season testing. And it's just like, this isn't even the same person. Like, um, I, I guess in I guess in-game there's that competitive side, there's that wanting to win the footy and whatever it is. And I've never really internally being close with someone in a footy club like I am with Josh. So maybe, maybe knowing that he was running, because you got to do, because you actually got to do the run together. The tests that we do, you got to do the run together. Um, they run with each other. And, in pairs, yeah. And uh, him and I ran together and uh, yeah. I carried him over the line, mate. <laughs> T- take us inside that test. So tell me about it. What happened? Well, it's, it's, it's a, what is it? It's a glorified beep test. Pretty yeah, it's much. pretty much a beep test around the, around the oval. And yeah. you just got to make the cone by the beep and then you run it. Like 10k an hour, and then it goes two minutes, 11k an hour, 12k so, an so hour. So it's two minutes 13. at each level. Yeah. 10, 11, 12, and you just keep going. So it's two minutes at each level, and around a f- it's 400 meter field. Yeah. And there's a, a gate. They're like 20 meters apart. Cones that are 20 meters apart, and you've just got to reach the beep at each. Starts at 10k, and 10k's isn't quick. You're pretty much walking it. Yeah. And then, like I said, it goes for two minutes. So it's t- uh, two minutes to 10, then 11. So as you can imagine, it gets quicker. And so. This particular day, we actually had a we had a bit of a breeze, didn't we? There was we a did. breeze going. It was howling, going mate. Up, right, <laughs> as it always is at Witten Oval, as I've experienced. But when we're going up towards the ELC, ELC, yep, and there was a massive head breeze, and going back the other way, there was a breeze that was actually pushing us. So you had to really get through the head breeze. Anyway, I started off. <laughs> What ten to? I was fifteen. I got to fifteen. <laughs> so I did the t- the stages: the 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Ten to fourteen, I'll say. Ten and to then, fourteen, and then and then I went in front because he's like, "Oh, you take the harder part." <laughs> the and hard part. So what? I did fourteen k an hour to eighteen, nineteen k an hour, and he was just following me, and then he he beat me because I had to take the wind off him. So anyway, when he the rest is history. I believe it. He was that happy. He got a bit a bit more of a boost oh. and ran another lap. Took my shirt off. Was running with my shirt <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then so does that flow into your your day to day life as well, or do you leave your comp- like you're competing, or you know, at training, or th- then you start playing basketball out of your houses? Is it competitive? Is it just part of your relationship? Yeah, I think so. Definitely is. No matter what it is, we're always competing. Yeah, like I don't reckon there's a conversation we don't have where we're not competing <laughs> at something. No, it always is. And no matter what it is, we're competing at everything, mate. It's just something that's just been there from the minute that we kind of started speaking to each other and being teammates, we just naturally competed at everything. Yeah. And, and then I guess uh, a big question I have is because you two do have such a good relationship, um, is it just football or, you know, when you two um, uh, are outside the footy club, are you spending a lot of time together? Like, are you talking about football much or, or are you just mates who, who once you leave the footy club, footy isn't even really no, a part I, of your life? I would say, yeah, I, that's what I would say. I would say, because it's our job, I would say, you know, 20 to 30% of our friendship is footy because that's just what our job is. Mm. It's our life. Like, this is what we're doing. But, no, nah, I would – that's that – and this is getting, like, real deep. But the biggest thing for me, because I've had, obviously, quite a few teammates, as you have. And, like I said, I've never struck up a friendship with anybody the way I have with Josh, but let alone being a teammate. It's always just been, oh, 
Oh, he's a teammate. He's a, he's a he's a friend. He's a teammate. He's a friend from work. Like wouldn't necessarily hang out outside of footy. Not that that's anything against an individual. It's just you know we're not similar. Where the first thing with Josh, that was what was the difference for me. Like I didn't really see him as just a teammate. Like it wasn't that wasn't to me. Like and when when we first met, my partner and my daughter had moved up to Queensland, so I I relied on someone heavily, and that person was him. <laughs> and so he. I reckon the first, oh, I would say right up till we went into, well, he injured his shoulder. So he injured his shoulder last year in around May, was it? Yep. June. Yep. Right up till about then, I would legit say that we were with each other five, six times a week, like outside of the footy club. And then he injured his shoulder. He went away for a bit. We had a hub and then I injured my ankle. So we had quite a bit, like – not because we didn't want to hang out. It's just we couldn't really be with each other. It's not like we're in a relationship. <laughs> it is a little bit. I mean, yeah. like, hang with each other. Um, and then now, like, now it's, like, kind of, like, I don't have to spend every waking hour with Josh now to know that, like, I love him. Like, that I'm always yeah, the, the, wondering yeah. what he's doing. Like, I'll, I'll wake up and, again, this isn't, this isn't a relationship. <laughs> this is a friendship. It's nice, mate. It's nice. I love my, I love my partner, Kim, and you love your partner, Tipper. Yeah. But like, oh, on a day off, we'll just give each other, every day, we'll just give each other a ring and see what's going on, what are you doing today? Like if we don't see each other, we'll be definitely on the phone oh, like yeah, or it'll be a FaceTime yeah. or something. Without a doubt. And like, like, and I think just saying that shows that this is more than just a teammate. And I like, I love every team that I've played with. I'm close with like Jeremy Howe, Brody Grundy, guy, Steph Martin, guys that I would consider friends as well. But I mean, this is just something that's just... Yeah, grown from the minute that we met each other. And it was just funny because it, it was a unique situation. Mm. And, and I guess something that you both have in common is, is and I, every AFL player who's been in the system long enough has their story, but you've both been guys who are heavily like under the media eye and had a lot of attention on you. Like yourself, Adam, obviously everybody who, who follows AFL knows that, you know, you've had the stuff with Collingwood and, and, and leaving them and, you know, your shift to Collingwood and then coming to the Bulldogs and, and every game you play gets pretty heavily scrutinised and that type of thing and and your own battles with men, mental health and that type of thing. And and obviously you, Josh, you had, um, you know, that big, big period where you were all everyone was talking about largely because there was like not much going on and there's a thousand trade shows with, with your potential move to Essendon and, and then staying at the Bulldogs. So how do you guys talk to each other about that? Like if you're on the phone to each other every day, are you talking, are you sort of on the phone and being like, fuck this, like what about this? Did you see what they said? Did you see what they said? Or... Or do you try to not talk about that stuff? How does that um, work? Well, fortunately, I reckon we've only really experienced that twice, I would say, in terms of where there's a, a bit of backlash. Not backlash, but like there's a lot of heat Media. on us and yeah. whatever it is. I think the first time was obviously when I I got traded there and he he obviously didn't get traded. Um, and like, again, this is like we spoke about our situation and, you know, yeah, Josh has publicly spoken about you know his situation and and wanting to get traded and why he wanted to get traded, and I don't need to re repeat that. But we spoke about that, and I spoke about what I went through with you know pretty much having to leave Collingwood and not wanting to leave. But again, I'm just going to reiterate like that was spoken about briefly, and then it was just forgotten, forgotten about. It was yeah. our friendship, like it wasn't you know like. I don't want to bore you with the answer, but we just didn't talk about. We just don't like. We've we have a life. He mm. understands. I have a life. I understand he has a life. Our life is much more than footy. Yeah. And another example that I'll use that I have never spoken about is last year. I had a horrendous semi final, 
against Brisbane. That's that was obviously the heat that I copped from my performance. And firstly, I would say out of all the games that I've played, it's okay to play one bad game. <laughs> yeah. Because you know I'd like to think I hold my performance in a good, you know, high standard where I don't really play too many bad ones. But personally, I had a lot going on at that time, and I know Josh knows that. I had a lot going on in my life at the time, and it was quite hard for me to actually play that game. And the best thing for Josh is me when I when I'm me, I get real quiet and I, you know, you know, I celebrated the win. I was happy, but I was extremely quiet, I guess, afterwards and I was in my own world. And he knew that. And best thing about Josh is we didn't even have to talk about footy. That was the best thing. He was just there for me as as a friend. He was there for me. He knew what was going on in my life. Um, because he knows and we talk about that. So yeah, to answer your question, when we do come up with challenges like that and they're the only two I can really think of we haven't really had any other you know where it's just been about me or been about Josh the best thing is that we can just fall back on each other and be um, loving and caring for each other in a way where it's nothing to do with what we do which is footy it's like it's a crazy world that you guys live in where yeah. you have you know the media who negative negativity sells in the AFL yeah. world for some reason yeah I'm not exactly sure why that is but it does and and we have a supporter base who either love you or care about you and, and on the other side just just want to shit talk you for no reason and mm. want to hate on you. And, and so it's a really weird space for you guys and you often don't get seen as real people. And I know that's something we've, we've talked about off air that like, and talking to you, you're real people. Like mm. you're just good, normal, normal mm. guys. Um, <laughs> like you have a bad game and, and you're the worst person in Australia and, and suddenly you're a sook or you're a, you're a soft cock or that's what it is, whatever yeah. it is. Um, or, or you want to move, like you want to make a career move like, like you dunks and, mm. And suddenly, you, you know, you're disloyal or, 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 you know, you have this big group who hate you, which like in a normal job, that would just never happen. Yeah. Well, you look at all the American sports, like it goes on all the time and they're all the same. Like we're all the same. We're all human beings, like you just mentioned. And to be like, no one would know what you're going through at the time. Like it might be something else other than what is being publicized. So to understand what players go through and all, all athletes go through, I think is a really important thing to think about before you sort of make comments. Um because otherwise it just go it can hit you two ways it can be really hard to yeah, deal with yep. or you know you can sort of embrace that and and move forward and and one of the hardest things is that i believe is you got to understand when people who have big profiles who who commentate our game and who are um you know i guess media journalists whatever it is they have a massive pull and a massive say on just the general public and general population and it's easy for the public and the population to make up an opinion or a mindset of you based off what an expert is saying yeah, about saying. you when they have no idea what's going on internally or what's going on with your life or you know how hard it was just to get up and play that game um, which is probably the most for me the most difficult and frustrating thing because like you just said there's people that end up hating you because you know you I don't know, they've got a multi on and you haven't had 20 disposals or whatever it <laughs> it's is. It's shocking. Or you've just had a bad game and they end up hating you and they, they target you as a person, which is the most frustrating thing. And then another thing that I find frustrating is when it's, when you're, I guess, like I said, when the media and whatnot have a big pull on you, uh, on the on the um, population and the public, they could say something, you know, again, I'm just using an example off the top of my head, they could just say something, oh, he... He is a soft cock, like you say. He's a soft cock because he missed that tackle, but yet uh, he makes all these other tackles. But because this 
person, this commentator has said, oh, he's a soft cock because he's missed his tackle. The consensus on that guy will then be, oh, he's a soft cock. He yeah. can't make so every other tackle that he makes is going to be disregarded. It's not going to be counted. Like it's They always just, remember the bad things. That's what it like, is. It's, it's always and the it's bad things. it's just frustrating. And, and what's the worst thing is, is a lot of the times um, these people are players that have played the game. So... But it happens in all sports. It happens in industries as well, in, in job sites, whatever it is. It's, it's probably the most frustrating thing that I guess as athletes that we deal with. But like I said, Josh and I, it's, it's easy for us to be able to lean on each other and not just us two. Our footy club and our teammates there is kind of our own little sanctuary and we can trust each other and talk to each other about these things. Yeah, and obviously you guys like spend a lot of time together. How, how often are you spending time with other players at the club or is it sort of just you have your one or two people and then everyone else you see at the club and, and that's it? Yeah, I think most... Boys like I think most boys are like that. You tend to gravitate yourself towards people that are like you. We see each other every single day, so mm. we see the boys every single day. But like Josh and I, in particular, we see each other all the time. Nearly like every day, lunch. Yeah, you know, we have lunch and we go get lunch together. But like we, like you see each other every day, so you don't necessarily have to spend, you know, every waking hour with each other outside of the footy club externally because you're, you're there all the time with each yeah. other. Like you might link up if you're all going to the basketball or you're yeah. all going to a specific event. Or a joint dinner or yeah. whatever it is. And we have club dinners or player dinners all the time. Yeah. And yeah, you go to those and enjoy each other's company. Like it's not like we don't relate to everyone else. Like Adzi was saying before, I think everyone gets along in a footy club. If you don't, well, it's probably not going to be yeah. that good. Your environment. Yeah. So I think that's the best thing about our club at the moment is everyone gets along and we all you know, love and care for each other. And how much of that is is player-driven versus how much of that is, you know, sort of just club culture-driven, you know, driven by coaches, driven by the board, wh- whoever it is. Like, do you have those same kind of relationships with, with your coaches? Like, your coach is Bevo at the moment. How, how is, like, your relationship with him different to, you know, your, your assistant coaches, different to players? And, yeah, and how does the whole club environment work? Oh, with Bevo, it's really good. I think Bevo's been – he's always been there to talk to and – we were actually talking about this the other day. Like he's got 45 players to work with, like mm-hmm. to talk to and, and and tell them where they're at and give them feedback. It might not always be good. It might be something you can improve on. So to get around 45 blokes is a lot of a lot of time and effort from, from your coach. And then he's got to worry about all the stuff that goes on in the well, – well, outside of that, I guess. So, yeah. But with the assistants, I think you always – like we have a laugh. We have a laugh with Bevo, but we have a laugh with, you know, Spang and, and Bubba Trevor. and – and Travi, like all the boys, Mad Dog, like everyone's really Mad good. Mad Dog, Mad Dog, that's I, one, I, of the, one of the he's one of the best. Yeah. Jamie, I think um, when coaches and we do this well, so this is kind of what I'm saying. But when coaches can differentiate um, and have the ability to talk about uh, the player as the player because he's there to coach him and and you know may have may have an RFI for him on the weekend and be able to like message that and and deliver that to them versus being able to put their arm around them, talk to them about their life, um, have a friendship with them. I think the best clubs that do that with their coaches and their staff are the most successful ones, definitely. Yeah. And we do that well. We do that well. Yeah. And, and you guys sort of uh, – well, Adam, you mentioned before that you two are starting a podcast together yep. uh, called On and Off. How did that start? And, and is that just like another sort of step to, to take the bromance a little bit further and, and let people inside that world? Well, it probably started when we first met. Like we connected so well, like we've spoken about a lot already. But um, we've done a few things together where we've filmed and actually our good mate Steph Martin mentioned to us that we should do something together, like actually officially. And so we started talking about it. We're like, oh, yeah, we'll throw some ideas around and 
probably 12 months ago it was when it we was. were like, oh, we should we should really have a look at this. And then COVID hit again and you can't, you know, we can't catch up. We can't do this kind of stuff where we're sitting in a room together, which is a bit annoying, but it, it is what it is. And the year sort of happened the way it did. We all had our things going on and injuries and, and ups and downs. But it, it, it turned out, yeah, we're here now. So it's going to be really exciting. And yeah, I think... I think what Josh has just said, uh, the way that we can bounce off each other and um, I think hopefully people can sense that we have a genuine connection and see that is was the most um, uh, exciting thing for me about trying to do a podcast. It's something that I've always been interested in, even when I was younger. I could just never find the right fit, I guess, someone to help me out because I didn't want to do it by myself. Um, and then obviously he came along and it was something that I thought about straight away. So I think that and also having a lot of interests – um, and then being able to show people that that we are, I guess we have a life outside of footy is going to be something that we're, I, I want to talk about and hopefully people have an interest in. We, um, you know, we, this isn't something that we want to be a flash in the pan kind of thing. We want to be able to be good at this and have people want to actually listen to us and, and um, you know, watch us because we obviously want to get videos involved and we want to do there's a lot of things that we want to do we just obviously we're getting we're getting um getting our uh, under our feet and we're going to hopefully be able to um have a few episodes done in the next few weeks and then yeah see how we go from there and outside of footy um which is obviously pretty much everyone listening to this episode is listening to you because they they know about you boys as footballers but what are the few things that you have in common outside of football that that people you know you think people would want to hear about and that you spend a lot of time talking about just between you two? Um, I well, I obviously think firstly our sport, like sport, is something we're interested in, and that's a natural thing because we just love our sport. But like, it's just funny because so many things have like stuff that I wouldn't necessarily be interested in uh, previously. I am now kind of because of him yeah and it'd be things like like we spoke about clothing clothing he loves his clothing i love my clothing um he loves his shoes i start to i started to love shoes and it was just because it wasn't because he loves shoes i love shoes it was because i'd see some of his shoes that he had and whatever and he'd be wearing i'd be like they're sick like, <laughs> i want to wear those like that's cool that sort of does remind me about how um when you are in a relationship uh, <laughs> and, you know, like your partner might be really into a thing. Like, yep. for example, you know, um, your partner might play lawn bowls. So yep. suddenly you know about lawn bowls yep. and, and you watch lawn bowls and you talk exactly about lawn bowls. And that's what you guys do. So well, I don't know what it's called, but it is exactly and, what it and is. And something that he would suggest, it's like, yep, oh, I love that. And I would do the same thing. Oh, yeah, I love that too. Like, What's yeah. the weirdest one? What's the weirdest one that one of you likes now or talks about now because of the other person? Um, I can tell you a weird one that isn't. Remember? <laughs> so if it's about nine o'clock at night, this is leading, this is G-rated. This is nine o'clock at night yeah. and uh, I'm a bit hungry, so I'll chuck YouTube on. Oh, no, that is the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. That's something I will never do. He watches people eat on you know YouTube. It is a thing. It's, it's a thing where you like. ASMR have mukbangs. you tried it? Oh, no, it just sounds bloody <laughs> so weird so to watch, me. It's ain't weird because the most subscribed people out there have over millions and millions of followers. There's something that I tried to get him into, and we watched. And I would it. never do it. So just <laughs> watched it one time, and he was like, "What is?" You sort of this? need to paint a picture here because so, yeah. this is just—it's wild. Let me let me like paint Grasp the picture it. I have in my head here. Yeah. So. It's 9 p.m., you're in bed, you're hungry, you pull out your phone or, or your Chromecast and you get to YouTube and 
You're just literally sitting there sort of fixated on someone putting food in their mouth, eating, eating it, listening to them chew yep. and smiling. And what got, do you search? They've got micro. They've got like, oh, well, okay, this is what I do. <laughs> so I... I like I'm I'm proud about my body and I want to be fit and healthy. And I'm not naturally gifted like Josh. <laughs> he could eat whatever he wants and look the exact same. Not me. I so I used to weigh about 91 kilos when I played at Collingwood. I currently am 81, so I've lost 10 kilos, and um, that was purely off portion sizing. So anyway, who'd you get that off? You. But I would pour. I would so I would overeat all the time, but it wouldn't be bad food. He would portion side bad food. Do you know what I mean? So yep. his portion size is bad food. I would overeat good food, but I just overeat too much. Anyway, I don't pour. Hang on, I, I don't portion size bad food. Yes, you do. My food is like <laughs> no, it's delicious. It's still good. Sorry, I wouldn't say bad food. Let it's me. not like macas or anything like that. No, I just, it's not that. It's not that. Like I'll have carbs. I, I don't really care about that. Whereas he's like he'll just have salads and veggies and and meat. Like, so I would get my five daily serves of vegetables, my three serves of fruit, my, <laughs> yeah, thir- my like thirty grams of fiber, my do you know what the protein – we're going off topic here, but do you know what the protein daily recommendation is? It's like 20 grams a meal. No, I mean over a whole day. It doesn't matter about the meal. Do you know how much – How much you should have? Yep. I'm going to guess and say 80 or 90. Yeah, but why though? For your body. No, but why would it be that? So anyway, let me just tell you. <laughs> so it's, it's about, it's about one, one gram per kilogram. So how much do you weigh? 90. So you'd be you'd have to eat 90 grams of protein. That was my per guess. Day. Yeah, but you didn't have a reason. You just <laughs> widely guessed it. Anyway, depending on exercise, it could be 1.5 to two times your body weight. See, this is the things that he doesn't know. I know this stuff, so I'm 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 uh, I'm anal about doing that and getting my protein in and whatever it is. So back to what I was saying. <laughs> because we'll cut that, because, we'll cut all that out. Because, <laughs> because it's good food. I eat good food, I eat lean chicken, steaks, whatever it is. I then get a craving, I get really hungry and I want to eat, you know, I love fast food, I love Hungry Jacks and I love pizza and so because I can't eat that, I'll watch someone eating it. Right, and that makes you not want to eat it. <laughs> oh, no, wouldn't that make you more hungry? <laughs> oh, yeah. That would make me more Mate, fried I'm chicken, just like, oh. Fried chicken, um, have you had Popeyes over in, uh, over in the States? <laughs> oh, in and out Burger. So anyway, there's something that I tried to get him into and he didn't get into it. Yeah, I'll tell you something that he did. Something that he did get me into, not get me into, but he, he's he's um he's instilled the passion back within me. Cricket. So he plays cricket with his uh, his old man down in Yarram occasionally, and um, in the preseason, in yeah. the preseason, obviously, because well, cricket season doesn't run during footy season, <laughs> mate. Well, some do. Oh, Yarram doesn't. But anyway, I committed to play one of the games on the Saturday, and uh, this is a ages ago so I, I was just really tight from training so I didn't end up going to play but the day before because I know that he would have the best of the best I went out and spent about $900 on cricket gear <sighs> and then uh, as it was everyone uh, Josh has Josh has had COVID so Josh had to spend a week in lockdown or at his house gave him my cricket bat and he knocked it in for me <laughs> true story and then he used it he used it what two weeks later it scored what 14 yeah couple of sixes and a <laughs> couple of runs. That was about it. Yeah. And um, so, so just another quick thing. 
Is there is there something that like you, Josh, could tell me about Adam, and, and Adam, you could tell me about Josh that the world doesn't know? Well, we've just got one about Adam, which is <laughs> pretty going? weird. <laughs> oh, that is a, that is probably the weirdest one. Yeah, that's weird. Maybe something. Hey, maybe, I wouldn't be the only one. Ask Steph Martin. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you can tell me something about uh, Dunks that's weird, weird Adam. But but just something that the world would want to know about that person if if they if you know if it was out there that that isn't out there yet. Um, it's a good question. There's a few things that a lot of people know about him, obviously, um, the mental side of things and things like that, but I don't know. He doesn't like the farm. <laughs> he hasn't been down there for a while, something like that, where he's, he's petrified of motorbikes. Like he will get on a motorbike and shit himself. He lives obviously down, he's a country boy, so he lives at the farm. That's where that's coming from, where you say the farm. And but I'm not he's, petrified. He's, he's yeah. He's far from a country boy. He, he claims that he's a country boy because he played for Vic Country. <laughs> Fake country boy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would say for Josh, I would say that he he is a big like – so he, I reckon Josh's – the persona that people – the perception they would have on him is a big country boy who maybe a bit old school, macho man, doesn't – you know, hides his feelings a little bit because that's uh, what countrymen do and they're proud and, you know, she'll be right kind of attitude. I'm going to say that there's a lot more to Josh than just that. He's a, he, is, he is a kind, caring human being, first and foremost, and I think that that is probably the most important thing for me. So, yeah, people would know that. People probably wouldn't necessarily know that. Not saying that you have a bad, <laughs> bad uh, perception by anyone, but that is something that is, yeah, Josh. Josh is probably the most kind, hearted, caring person that I've almost ever met with anybody. And he doesn't judge anybody. The best thing about him, he would never, he could look past. So for me, if if I know someone's done me wrong, it's hard for me to look past that. Like I'll hold on to that, which is something that I need to get better at. Where him, he's really good at looking past that. He's the best I've ever seen. Someone would do him wrong and he just look past it like... I know that he'd be burning on the inside, but he's just has the ability to do that. So anyway, there's a there's a little bit personal there, mate. But that's something that he does well. Yeah, that's so awesome. Like that's just um, that's one of those things that we all feel about. Like you know, one of our best mates and someone we know, and and, and like we talked about before, people sort of never really look at you boys like that or anyone in in the professional sporting landscape like that. Um, also not lost on me that <laughs> Dunks has thrown you under the bus and told everyone you get off to, to people watching <laughs> or watching people eat food and then you've you've gone and told me that he's nice and caring. <laughs> yeah. It's like the complete opposite. <laughs> the complete opposite. That just shows where our friendship's at, eh? Yeah, I'm yeah. the lovey carry one. He's the he's the prick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good dynamic. Hey, um I, I reckon we'll just wrap it up there, but but just one more question to sort of end on. This coming year, um, you you boys are obviously you know, you, you were in the grand final last year. You were you were pretty close to, to winning it. What do you think this year looks like for you guys? What are you what are you expecting from the year? What do you guys what do you guys predict is going to happen in in twenty twenty two for for you personally and, and as a football club at the Western Bulldogs? Yeah, well, hopefully go one better. That's probably the goal. Obviously, to to make a grand final. But with the group that we had, everyone was so young and still is so young. Like we've got some senior heads now at the footy club that really helped drive the momentum like Adzi and, and Steph Martin. Like we've already mentioned a few guys, Bonte from the top, but 
for us as a as a club, it's obviously to just go that one better and, and work hard. We've we've had a great preseason. It's hard with COVID these days, with you know people having to isolate for a week here or there. But personally, for me, I'm feeling great. Um, my body's good. I had a couple of injuries last year, so to come back and be really fresh and ready to go, I feel very confident that we can we can all go out there and, and work off each other and with the midfield that we've got, hopefully take it up to a lot of teams. Yeah, I think I agree. Totally agree with Josh. I think. Um, the balance that we have now with the experience and the youth is something that is important for us as well. And I think having experienced what we experienced last year as a group, especially throughout that final series where, you know, literally from the first final to the last one, our backs were pretty much up against the wall and no one really picked us in any of the games. Um, I know we've learned a lot off that. And I also know that now being, this is a little thing, but I think now, hopefully, Touchwood, now that there's no COVID that's going to restrict crowds and whatnot. It's a big, that's a big impact on games. Crowds have big impacts on games and whether it's a hostile environment or whether it's, you know, for us, the crowds on our side, it's something that has major swings in games. And I, and I think, look, I don't blame that for the reason why we finished the season off the way that we did, but it's a big part of it. Mm, like those last absolutely. three games we played where we, where we got pretty much got smashed every game there was no crowd. It was just hard to build off the momentum. It's hard to, you know, get that. There's quite often in games where there might be a bit of a lull and there's a big play and there's a big, um, the crowd gets really involved and it just lifts the game, lifts the intensity and the spirit of the game. So I think having that as well is going to give us a, another bit of an edge. I think that's something most clubs would do. Um, I think personally, yeah, I'd say it all the time, but I just want to be able to play a year injury free. I I don't, you know, the last couple of years, they've always been, the injuries have been um, an incident. It's been something that's happened. hasn't necessarily been like an overuse or a reoccurrence or anything. It's just been something that's happened. So when I've ripped my hammies off the bone versus last year where I obviously did my Cindy, which I didn't know at the time, which is obviously ankle uh, tendon, which has probably been the most frustrating thing because I'm, I can feel within my body that I'm, I'm a lot leaner and, and um, I feel like I can move a lot quicker and, and still have that power in my game um, more consistently, I, I still feel like I have that and that's the most exciting f- thing for me. So, yeah, I'm hoping that I can play every game this year and um, and just showcase that. And like I said, I want to be able to impact games a lot more when I get the footy and, um, yeah, have, have a big impact on the games. And Dunks, tell me, for 2022, what's something that Western Bulldogs fa- fans and, and, and people watching AFL as a whole – Will, should sort of look at in in Adam Treelaw's game and and notice this is something he does well that you might not know. Uh, he does a lot of th- lot of things well, um, but one thing like he's mentioned already, his his ability to take the game on and his game breaking or line breaking, I should say, kicking and and delivering to to targets forward of the ball is something that you should look out for. Like he's. He's, uh, we had matched him the other day, as you mentioned before, and he just broke the lines. Like, first five minutes of the game, he's kicked two goals. It's like, how good. So, um, yeah, he's flying. As he mentioned, he's probably, in, I reckon he's in career best, Nick. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. And his defensive running, like, everything everything, everything helps us play the way that we do. And without him, like, we, we struggle. So, it's a really important part of our game, and he helps us set up all around him. So, it's good. And what about you, Adam, with, with Josh Dunkley? What's something that AFL fans should f- should look out for him that maybe they haven't noticed or something he does well that, that they've never really thought about, but but now that you've said it, we'll, we'll notice it? Well, I I think, obviously, what I spoke about before, so they would know this side, his defensive side of the game, which is his 
we'll talk about a phone box, but the phone box being in close, he's right up there as one of the best in the game with his pressure, his source pressure, his tackling, his hands around the ball. He's elite right up there with Libba. Um, I think they're things that you're going to see every week. They're, they're the non-negotiables kind of for Josh because that's how he builds off the back of his game. I think um, for him, his ability when he goes forward and his ability to have an impact offensively, which is something that I know with that being in his game, that'll make him, I guess, become elite and be considered elite, his ability up forward, which he has the ability to dominate games because he's a big-bodied mid who's, I guess, would probably get an undersized defender and and his marking ability is one of his biggest strengths, which you see that. You see it at training. There's there's a, you know, he took a really good mark on the weekend where he just slid down as a midfielder and, and took a really nice mark, a mark that not many mids would be able to take. And I think, again... The, the stuff that no one would know that he does. Again, Pendle, Pendles is the best defensive runner I've probably played with, but Josh is right next to him in terms of getting back to the right right position, being in the right spot, not necessarily, I guess, having an impact on the ball, but having um, making the guy, the opposition, the guy that does have the footy be really indecisive with his decision-making or whatever he has to choose because Josh is in the right spot. He's always there. Quite often you'll see Josh get the ball defensively because he's worked back as hard as anybody. Um, so I think those are the main things, his defensive side of the game. I haven't really spoken about it offensively, but one thing that I always try and encourage Josh, and he knows this, is he is one of the strongest, again, one of the strongest guys I've played against, and he does not get tackled when he gets the footy. So when he gets the ball, when he takes the game on, which I encourage every time we play, he, yeah, he, again, will be considered one of the elite of the elites. So I'm hoping, I know he will, I'm hoping that he will do. you'll see that from the get-go. When he gets the ball, we'll take the game on because no one will tackle him. Awesome. This is a great note to end on. And, and just sort of three things I've, I've taken away from this podcast that I think were, were really valuable. And probably the biggest one is that, that AFL players are real people. And, and just sitting here having a conversation with you two, you're just, you're just normal, good guys. You know, you, you have depth and there's a lot more to you. And, and so, like, if, you, if you're listening and you, you buy into that or tip into that, that sort of bullshit negative narrative that, that gets run by most of the AFL media – try to just take a step back and realize these boys are normal people. And I'm telling you, they're good people. Uh, and that's been my experience with sort of everyone pretty much um, in this space. Uh, and then probably the next thing is I'm really excited for your podcast. I think uh, you two have really good natural chemistry, maybe a little bit too lovey for me, like maybe you're just a touch <laughs> too boyfriend, girlfriend, but <laughs> hey, it's nice. And, and then the third one is, Trila, you're a, you're a bit of a freak, mate, like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ASMR and the mukbangs. You're in bed with your with your partner at night. Oh, I'm by myself. Oh, My you, partner lives nah, but when so. when she's down, you don't watch it. Is that what you're saying? No, we occasionally watch it. <laughs> <laughs> See, the weirdest thing was. I'm sorry, I'm. We'll go back over. It. Let's yeah, go back. Yeah, over. Let's just go back over it quickly. Was after he had surgery on his ankle last year, I dropped him around the game ready for to ice to ice his foot. So. He was looking about the pain, so I was like, all right, I'll bring this around. Hopefully it looks after you. I walk in, and I've walked into his house a number of times, but he's in the in his cinema, and I'm just walking in there. He's got this bloke eating food on the screen, and I'm just like, what is this? I've never seen this before. This guy would have been – I reckon he's probably got 5 million subscribers, so there's 5 million people out there that are doing the exact same thing. But it's just like – I've just I couldn't comprehend what was going on. Like I thought he was hungry, so he's like watching a guy eat, and I've got to go and get food for him. So, <laughs> oh well, it's one of those. I thought he was trying to send me a message, not tell me that he's doesn't want to eat. <laughs> 
All right, let's end it there. Thanks, boys. Thank you. Thanks, mate.